0: Good morning Church, I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, from verse 5 to 15, and it's Jesus speaking to his disciples. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins.
1: Thanks, John. Uh, just before we take a closer look at that uh, significant and well-known uh, part of the Bible, uh, particularly the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to pray and then we'll get uh, stuck into this part, this wonderful part of the Bible. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the immense privilege of having Jesus teaching. Pray that we would take it seriously and that it would embed itself in our hearts and our minds by your Spirit to the glory of the praise of your name, and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, In 2018, uh, there was an exhibition of Rembrandt and the Dutch Golden Age at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, and I went along with a few people, uh, and uh, I was spellbound. It was magnificent. I know that uh, looking at old art isn't everyone's vibe, uh, but I really, really liked Rembrandt's uh, artworks. There was one, this one, it's a uh, a self-portrait. It's called uh, A Self-Portrait as the Apostle Paul. Um, And I just couldn't help looking at it. I just stared at it for ages. That picture does it absolutely no justice at all. Uh, The original was vivid. The paint was caked on and chunky, and, uh, and I just admired it, I stared at it for ages, I'm sure people got uh, rather annoyed at me because I wouldn't move out of the way, but a big part of the pleasure of beholding this beautiful picture uh, was being able to praise it with those that I went along with, uh, to point out the vividness of it, uh, even the wetness of it, because it was oils and it just looked like Rembrandt had just only just stopped working on it, uh, and, and to simply praise it, that, that was a joy. Even to see others that I didn't know around me kind of admiring it and commenting on it and praising it uh, was enjoyable. Have you ever noticed uh, something like that? It may not be uh, Rembrandts for you. It might be classic utes or uh, the latest game or a, a piece of jewellery. But whatever it is that you admire, isn't it a big part of the pleasure being able to praise it with others? And I reckon that's part of the reason why The Lord's Prayer Starts the Way It Does, which we're going to look a little bit closer at now. But first, uh, let's recap on the last couple of weeks in our series on prayer. Uh, So far, we've seen that our prayers are only acceptable in Christ. That is, that in fact, uh, it is only Jesus' prayers (laughs) that are acceptable to God. Our own prayers are only acceptable as we are in Christ by faith in him. Faith that he not only died the death we deserve for us, but, importantly, lived the righteous life that we should have lived for us, including his righteous praying. And last week, we saw that through the whole of the Bible, from beginning to end, that prayer as we know it now, in Christ, is asking God to keep his promises. So then, prayer is in Christ calling on God's promises. And with that in mind, uh, we come to what's been commonly called uh, the Lord's Prayer, which we find in Matthew chapter 6, but also a shorter version in Luke chapter 11. And today we'll be looking at uh, the first part of that prayer in detail. We'll look at the second part next week, uh, but today it's the first. And to that end, we'll see firstly the promise of prayer. Secondly, Uh, what it means to pray our Father in heaven, and then uh, what it means to pray, Holy be your name. So, first up, the promise of prayer. Jesus starts his teaching in Matthew in the context of identifying it as one of the few things that he calls practicing your righteousness. As he says uh, at the beginning of the chapter, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So prayer, as he goes on to say, it's an act of righteousness. That is, it flows from being in a right relationship with God. That is, as we come to pray, we need to reckon with the incredible reality and privilege of prayer, that by the saving work of Jesus, he's opened up a way for us to commune with the creator of the universe. In Christ... We have the almighty God's ear. He is listening. Which should give us reason to pause and to think why we're praying. Is it just to do our religious duty? Yep, read my Bible, prayed today, tick. Uh, or is it to look good in front of others? Yeah, maybe your mum or your dad or your pastor or your youth leader or a Christian friend. Yep, yep, I've read my Bible and prayed today. I'm, I'm a good little boy, good little girl, see, tick. Back in the day the people uh, as people met in the uh, synagogue on the Sabbath or on the Sabbath, clearly there were some who made a big show of it of praying for others uh, for the sake of others. But Jesus says, be careful that you don't do it for others. Do it because of the promised reward in, uh, from the Father. You know those KFC ads when people see KFC and see that it's so good and they want it so bad, They don't need to be told, and they're like, just shut up and take my money. I want that KFC. Well, the idea of something being just so good is kind of the promise of prayer here. As we practice our righteousness in Christ and pray to the Father, he promises to reward us, presumably with one blessing or another. At the very least, it'll be the blessing of storing our treasure in heaven, as Jesus will say later. To pray, then, is to place our heart in the Father's hands, and there is no safer place than this. So even before we get to the Lord's model prayer, we see to to not use this prayer at the very least is to not deny our greatest our hearts the greatest of treasures, and this is the promise of prayer. What's the greatest treasure? It's God Himself. Because even as Jesus teaches us to pray firstly to our Father, this is an incredible treasure. That's an incredible treasure right there for us brings us to the first part of Jesus' model prayer, Our Father in Heaven. Obviously, the first thing Jesus tells us to pray is Our Father. Now, I know uh, many start praying with Dear God, which is fine. Uh, it sounds a little bit like how you'd start a letter, but, you know, it's fine. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, that Jesus teaches us to address God as Father. Now, that might be hard for some to do, they don't want to think of God as a father because they've had rubbish fathers, maybe abusive or negligent or absent or unknown fathers who've given them a lot of heartache. But it's unlikely any of them gave a scorpion uh, when, as a kid, they asked for an egg. As Jesus says in Luke 11, Which of you fathers, if you, your son asks for a fish, you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? No matter how bad or even how good a father might be, they're evil, Jesus says, in the sense of being fundamentally broken by sin, and yet they know how to give good gifts to their kids when they ask, and so if they can, how much more our Heavenly Father, who is not only good, but who gives the best gift to those who ask him for good things, the Holy Spirit. Our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us, and so as we come to ask him for good things, he'll give us the best thing, the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit by whom we believe in Jesus, and the same Spirit by whom we can address God intimately as Father, as the Apostle Paul says, you're all sons through faith in Christ Jesus. Because you are sons... God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. And then elsewhere, you receive the Spirit of Sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, it's by faith in Christ Jesus, by the Spirit within us, that we call on God as Abba, Father. Indeed, we'll only pray to the Father as the Holy Spirit enables us. To obey Jesus then here, and address God as Father, it's actually only enabled by the Holy Spirit who is our greatest good and our greatest treasure, as we're able, by the Spirit, to have an incredible intimacy with God, an intimacy of knowing him as sons and daughters. Before Abba was a uh, Swedish pop group, it was a a Jewish term of endearment children would call their fathers, like Daddy. Uh, The theologian Don Carson, though, he thinks Daddy doesn't quite capture the idea of Abba. Uh, He thinks that it's a little bit too familiar. But he also says that it's uh, that that father is just a little bit too formal. He suggests something like how the French, how French children uh refer to their fathers as papa. That Abba is like papa. But my kids uh they they call me papa for a joke. Uh oh papa, make me lunch. Uh so I don't know about you, but I can't come at calling God papa. But anyway, we're not French. So I reckon Abba for us, is probably best as something like Dad. Dad. We can call Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, Dad. It's how Jesus addresses the Father elsewhere, as Dad. As such, just to begin prayer by addressing God as Abba is to dance with our great mysterious three-in-one God the Father in the Son by the Holy Spirit to pray to the Father to say, oh Dad is to engage God and to honour Him for who He is and always will be it's to enter into eternity savor that the next time you pray Abba Father Dad Savour who it is you're speaking to. Who it is that's listening to you and what it says of your eternal future with him. And then, take on board that Jesus says, we're to say, our father. Not my father, but our father. Our dad. The same spirit who enables us to call God dad actually unites us to each other and to all others addressing him. As brothers and sisters, as family, such that what we're going, what we go on to pray must concern not just me, not just me and my bread, not just me and my forgiveness, not just me and my temptations, but our bread, our forgiveness, our temptations. We're never alone in praying to the Father because it's to join with all God's people. Which is why it's important we pray together in church and in our Bible study groups, in our growth groups and at any opportunity that we can in fact from the 22nd of August Monday evening between 7 and 8 we're going to be beginning a prayer meeting every month that you are welcome to come along to and join in addressing God our Father together Because it affirms the bond that we have with each other. A bond that is thicker than blood. A bond that will outlast kin and even outlast prayer itself. The bond of being brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's frequently and happily pray to our Father. Our good and gracious Dad. Who is in heaven. As Jesus teaches further. Now, uh, the word in heaven, in the Bible, is often paired with earth, as in heaven and earth, to indicate kind of the limits of everything, heaven up there uh, and earth down here. And so, while to address God as our Father is to acknowledge the closeness that we have with him, to say our Father in heaven is to simultaneously acknowledge that he is way above us, that he is transcendent and entirely other. We cannot know him as he knows himself his glory is beyond us indeed our very being is incapable of beholding the glory that he has within himself he is in heaven where on earth which actually should give us pause indeed should make us say a few words perhaps silence as an appropriate as being appropriate when we come to address god our father in heaven There's a uh, Christian symphonic unblack metal band in Finland called Paracletus. Uh, they've done a song on the Lord's Prayer. You want to hear it? It's okay, yeah. I'm not going to... Yeah, I won't play it for you. They scream it uh, in Finnish or Swedish, I can't, I can't tell. So, obviously, I can't uh, make out if they were using the NIV or the NRSV. Uh, but they seem legit. Now, you might think it's weird to mix the Lord's Prayer with screamo metal like you know, they shouldn't mix but they happily do at least for someone who likes symphonic unblack metal and this is a little bit like addressing god our father in heaven there's a tension there's a tension in knowing and calling on god as our dad and also as the almighty and transcendent other in heaven but that, this is a happy tension because it's a tension that actually stretches our imagination and calls for a response, some release from that tension, which brings us to the next bit in the Lord's Prayer. Holy be your name. Or, in uh, ye olde speak, hallowed be thy name. Now, I'm sure the the only other place that we might have heard or used this word hallowed, or something like it, is in Halloween, uh, or All Saints Day, Uh, or talking about the last Harry Potter book, The Deathly Hallows. Uh, But the word, hallow, it just means saint, as in holy person. And so to hallow something, or someone, is to to make them holy. Hence the modern way of saying the Lord's Prayer, holy be your name. But what does it actually mean to say holy be? Well, something is holy when it's set apart and exalted as special, as worthy of devotion and praise. And so to to pray, holy be your name, it's actually asked that God's name be set apart, be exalted as special and worthy of praise, that God's name be praised. Uh, The Handmaid's Tale, a novel by uh, Margaret Atwood, turned into a uh, multi-season TV show about a fictional and strict religious country, has famously used the phrase, Praise be uh, as the expected response to express thanks for something. But it's often used by or uttered by uh, abused women fearfully towing the state line. And as such, it's become quite a cynical phrase. Praise be and plays into the often cherished belief that religion and the God behind that religion is the cause of most violence and oppression in the world. But that Jesus teaches us to pray that God's name be praised It's not by fear. It's not motivated by fear. God's going to crush you if you don't praise him. It flows from addressing him as our Father in heaven. And the happy tension of awe and intimacy, such that guided by Jesus in this prayer, we're compelled not by fear, but by love and respect. To see God's name praised, it's more like that song by uh, Fatboy Slim, if you heard it, praise, praise you, which celebrates a relationship with that very happy chorus chiming. I have to praise you. If you know the song, gets stuck in your head. That's the that's the feel when we come to praising God. I have to praise you. Anyway. So to know, so so too knowing God, our heavenly Father in Christ by the Holy Spirit, we we, we have to praise Him happily, praise His name. Now. Last week we touched on God's name, how to speak of God's name as a way of talking about his nature and his person. And so to pray, holy be your name, is to pray that God receives all the honour and glory that's due to him, due to him as the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's to yearn that he be honoured and revered and to ache when he's not, first within our own sphere of influence and then the world over. It's to yearn for God's kingdom to come for God to rule in the lives and hearts of all, and for his will to be done. Now, what is God's will? Well, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, uh, God made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. What is God's will? It's pretty clear. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under Christ. To pray God's will be done. Then is to pray that everything and everyone submit to Christ as Lord on earth, as it is in heaven. And in the re- in the revelation that God gave John, uh, John saw what it's like in heaven, where we read this. Then. I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb, that is Jesus, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. To pray, Holy be your name, is to pray that God be praised like that. And to pray that his will be done on earth as it is like that in heaven. It's to pray that all things honour and glorify Jesus. Which at the very least looks like them praising the one who sits on the throne, the Father and the Lamb who is Jesus, the Son now this is only going to happen ultimately when Jesus comes again, so in a sense to pray, holy be your name your kingdom come, your will be done is to pray the last prayer in the Bible come Lord Jesus but until he does We'll, we'll want to see something of what it's like in heaven on earth, at least in our own sphere. Which, at the very least, will look like praising God personally for who He is. So let's get to praising God. Now, I suspect for many of us, this might seem like unfamiliar territory. We might uh, be used to asking God for plenty of things and even thanking Him for the things that He's given us, but to just praise Him for who He is, that Maybe that's just outside our experience, because we generally don't do this with anyone else, do we? <laughs> so a good way to, to get pra- get better at praising uh, is to actually work your way back from thanking him for what he's given you, particularly in Jesus. And And Ephesians 1 is a good place to see that. So, as we read... Uh, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, he says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ." What can we thank God for there? We thank, as we thank God for the gift of every spiritual blessing that He's given us in Christ, we can work back from that to what it says about Him as God and Father, and we can see that He's exceedingly generous. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He is a generous father. And from there we can praise him as such. So Perhaps saying something like, praise you, Father, for you are exceedingly generous. Uh, the, the next verse tells us, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. What can we thank God for there? We can thank our heavenly father that he's chosen us in Christ before the creation of the world and as we thank him for that we can work back to what it says about him what does that say about him well it says that he is sovereign over time and space that he is all knowing and ever present and from there we can praise him can't we saying something like all praise to you our sovereign omniscient and omnipotent father and so it can go on with the next verse and the next verse As we pray, as Jesus teaches us, holy be your name. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to come back to the second half of the Lord's Prayer next week. But I hope as we've worked through this first bit that we've been able to see the joy of prayer, not only as Jesus has encouraged us to pray, focusing on God and praising him as as, as proper to who God is and what he deserves, but also as the greatest good for ourselves that we might enjoy God in our praises. The late Christian writer and and thinker, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, he helpfully observes this. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. The worthy of the object, the more intense this delight will be. The Scotch Catechism, that's the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, in the large catechism and the shorter catechism says that, that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. What a wonderful thought. That is the Lord's Prayer, that, that, it's actually an invitation to enjoy God, our Father, in heaven by praising His name. And so to that, that end, I thought it could, uh, we could work through the rest of that passage from Ephesians 1, just by ourselves for a little while, noting phrase by phrase, or verse by verse, what we think we can thank God for, And then to work back to what it tells us God is like so that you might praise Him for that. So why don't we do that? I'm going to spend a few moments now thanking, practicing, thanking God and praising Him. And I'll just leave the passage up there.